and we're rolling. Hello once again to the Yes, I'm Still Sober podcast with John fucking Rabin. Hello. I'm back again with you via the device you have chosen to listen to podcasts. It's uh, episode 152, May 26th is when this posts. I uh, hope you're having a good week. Hope you're hanging in there. If you're a sober person, hope you're, st- uh, you're staying sober. If you're not a sober person, hope you're staying sane, and thanks for joining me. Mm. Should have drank water before I started, but I apparently decided to now. I'm very informal. Listen, um, what I'm going to do today is, because I didn't have any ideas, and I'm like, do I have anything I wanted to talk about? I I didn't have anything kind of in quote-unquote inspire me or anything I really wanted to talk about because honestly I've spent the past few days like like I've glanced at the news just to make sure nothing insane is going on other than the you know regular insanity Uh, but I have completely just don't just headfirst dove headfirst into uh, NBA playoffs, um, just to watch, just to watch something, and to really just kind of get focused on something, and uh, and that's all. That's only where my head's been. It's been healthy, honestly. I've been I felt pretty. I felt great about it. Um, but then it came to the podcast, and I'm like, oh no, do I want to? Do I want to talk about the underdogs that I'm rooting for on the NBA? I don't. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if necessarily it's like, well, John, I could listen to a sports podcast, but I chose to listen to you ramble for half an hour. Why wouldn't I listen to a sports pundit ramble if that's what I wanted? And you know, you'd be you'd be right to say that. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but I. I really do want it to be in the finals. I do want it to be a non LA team versus a non New York team. That would be not good for ratings, but good for me and my sensibility. Like mm, there's more to life than two cities. If only the media would know that, right? Anyway, what I'm going to do for this episode is I decided I used to do this thing um, when blogs and, uh, you know, back before Facebook, right before, long ago when there was MySpace, basically MySpace and then my own website before that, when, I, when you could write on your website and people would visit it. That used to be a thing. People used to go to websites as opposed to social media pages. It's true. Ask an old person. Uh, I used to do a thing in my uh, and back when I was uh, a version of myself that uh, loved alcohol. I didn't like drugs as much yet, but I liked booze. 
um, I used to do a thing called Ask Uncle Cranky. Now, what that was was an advice column. But unlike most advice columns, uh, nobody would write to me. I would steal questions from other advice columns and then answer it like I would answer it. And basically um, talk mad shit to the people who wrote in. Uh, and I, I would, I did that for several years. I, it was a, it was a running theme. The ask Uncle Cranky, um, and, and I finally stopped doing it because I was distracted by drugs, drug addiction, and alcoholism, and you know, probation. Uh, you know, self-destruction. I was really into self-destruction, so I, I kind of got distracted. But also, it just kind of changed. It bitching at people became kind of the motif of the internet, and it was just like, why would I, you know, add to it? So, um, even though it's funny, it's what everybody does. And it became, you know, with social media became prevalent and easy to access. So I decided not to do it. Anyway, I'm taking a um, page from that book, the Ask Uncle Cranky thing. And that's what I'm going to do is, uh, you know, John, uh, John Raven answers your questions, but it's not yours. It's like parentheses or quotations, your questions. It's basically a uh, frequently asked questions about drug addiction uh, from some drugabuse.gov. Oh, God. I don't know where they got the questions. I haven't even looked at them. So we're just going to go through them. And I'm going to give you my take <laughs> and how I would respond. Uh, so it's more like John Rabin answers the government's questions or the people that people ask the government, assuming that they actually are frequently asked questions and not like, can we, you know, the government coming up with questions, they pretend and think that people would ask. So that's basically what, what, we're, what I thought we'd do. So anyway, um, <laughs> let's see. All right, here we go. Why do drug-addicted persons keep using drugs? Because they're addicted. That's why they keep using them. Your question actually answers itself. Um, next question. Oh, actually, I, I guess I could stick. Why do drug-addicted... I wish I knew. Because um, we like them. Um, and it's an escape. It's like, why do they keep doing it? Because... That's what addiction is. Psychological and physical. That's why we keep doing it. Why do you keep doing the thing that uh, prevents you from um, excelling in life? It's like that, but imagine if that thing that you did gave you an orgasm. And cost $20 every time you did it. Anyway, that's that. Good question, by the way. It's a way to start it off. What is drug addiction treatment? Well, let's look at the words. It's treatment for drug addiction. Next question. Um, actually, let me open it. I'm just curious as to see what it, what it actually says. Um, drug addiction is intended to help addicted individuals stop compulsive drug seeking and use so basically what i said 
All right, that's the answer. Oh, and oh, and then it goes into uh, what kind of treatment. There's different kinds of treatments. So basically, treatment can be anything from a 12-step program to um, something given to them by a uh, by a counselor or a therapist, or more common, you know. And then there's rehab, rehabilitation centers. Right. It's it's any kind of uh, program or something that uh, that a person does to help them not continue to abuse drugs. Right. All right. How effective is drug addiction treatment? Well, that is a doozy of a goddamn question. Holy shit. How effective? Not very. No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who you ask. Um, it's it's hard to answer the question because no rehab is going to give you a straight answer. Because how are they gonna how are they gonna ask? They're gonna get the number of everybody who who visits and then leaves, and then it's like make sure uh, we're gonna call you and tell us honestly, are you still clean and sober? Come on. Tell me honestly. Like, it's hard to tell. Like, they, the rough estimate, they can, uh, you know, they like to, I've, I've heard them say, say, you know, 30% of people. Like, when I was in rehab, that was like a number that was given to me, given to me by some, um, like a, a guest speaker. It was like 30% of people actually make it. The other 70 will not. How do you know? I mean, it all depends, right? Like it, like there's no way for you to know. So I don't, uh, so how effective is it? Well, and also it depends on, on the treatment, I guess. You know, you talk to a 12-stepper, they're like, well, keep, you know, it works if you work it. The program is 100% successful, but you have to do it. You have to do it like uh, I picture it in my head. You know, it's infallible apparently um <laughs> so how effective is drug addiction treatment it, it it's how effective um are you going to take it i don't know it varies um next question is drug addiction treatment worth its cost also depends it should be free and I don't know if they mean worth its cost as in worth the person paying. If you're dying, it's like, and you're offered something that's very expensive, but it'll save your life. But if you don't take it, you'll die. Are you going to go, I don't know. Um, that's a lot of money. You know what? I'd rather die with the money. That sounds good. Um, it shouldn't be that like cost should not be because most people who really need rehab can't afford 30 grand you know i even i mean most people who who most people in general can't afford 30 grand it's like is there a payment program there isn't a lot of rehabs don't have payment programs because they would be owed a lot of money a lot of people Especially like, you know, it's a 90-day program. 
Yeah, can I uh, can I pay that thirty grand um, over thirty six months, and then you make payments for the first three months, and then it's like I'm out of here, prick, and then just you know, never pay them. Uh, so yeah, it's it should be worth its cost because it should be you know covered. Like you should be able to apply for a grant. I know I said that like last week or the week before, but you should be able to apply for a grant and have it paid for you. Should you meet the requirements? You know, I don't know. Let's see. What's the next question? How long does drug addiction treatment usually last? Well, it depends. A lot of, a lot of places are 30 days. Some are 60 days. Uh, a real rehab in my opinion, is 90 days. And, um, and it kind of goes off of the idea that um, in order to change a habit, you know, on, on average for people, it takes 45 days of, of doing that every, doing it every day. Um, there's some science and some studies on that. And, it, you know, it's going to depend for different people. But, uh, you know, so the idea, I think the idea is to, to, take, to take it like double that time. I don't think that's where it's based off of. But it's, that's why working on your recovery in a program for 90 days under like supervision in the program and then, you know, then having... A support system and continuing it on um but uh is way more effective than these 30-day spas where it's like let's go in and you can do, do some yoga and take a break um you know and um do the do the rich person uh treatment and you know wait for the media to die down it's about 30 days and they're not looking and then you can get back to doing what you like to do which is you know fuck up you're really good at it Enjoy your vacation. Let's see. Although the, uh, the the longer answer to the how long does drug addiction treatment usually last? Your entire life. Recovery is a lifelong uh, pursuit. You know? Which is, is true, but it's not that dramatic. Um, it's just a matter of... Uh, Staying vigilant for the rest of your life, but you know, you—that's—that's that's the whole idea—is—is is you work on yourself and you change and you work, you know, you form new habits and new patterns and et cetera, et cetera, and you continue that, knowing that if you go back, you'll right be right back where you started, uh, and uh, and it might kill you, so. That's that's the idea on that. Let's see. Next question. Uh, what helps people stay in treatment? Uh, the threat of death. Or <laughs> the end. No, um, yeah. Wanting to change. Um, another thing that helped, what helped me was knowing that it was the, you know, that I had reached an impasse, that this was the last, my last chance that um, if I didn't take the chance, I would burn my last bridge, which was with my family. Then I would have nobody else to rely on. 
I mean, no more connection and most likely end up on the street. And that didn't, uh, even in the middle of a heroin addiction, even in the middle of being like, like dead to the world and kind of strung out, that was something I definitely, that really cut through and like, well, I don't want that. So, so that really, that helped me stay in treatment for sure. Uh, let's see. Next question. I don't know who, who's answering these questions, by the way, who's asking them. I don't know if it's just random people who's like, let me send an email. Hey, because this question, this next question is, how do we get more substance abusing people into treatment? Like, I don't know who emailed them and go, hey, uh, how do we get these uh, junkies um, into a, a rehab? I was just wondering, you know, I thought I'd email you. Okay, I just paused it. I had to check on my cat and one she was just meowing that was because she was um she didn't like the the closed door even though she doesn't contribute to this podcast anymore she was my producer for a while but she doesn't do shit now um but she wanted to be present so now she's um cleaning herself on the couch that's great uh, let's see. Where, where were we? Um, how do we get more? How do we get more substance abusing people into treatment? Uh, why don't you ask them? Um, once again, that goes back to make it affordable, make it available. Uh, different type of treatment programs, and then you know, wait for people to hit their perceived bottom. While the only real rock bottom is death, people got to hit their spot where it's like, well, shit. Guess I got to get help then. Let's see. Um, next question. Um, okay, I'm going to skip these two because it's like, uh, how can family and friends make a difference? Okay, then, no, that's a good one. How can family and friends make a difference in the life of someone needing treatment? Uh, don't enable them. Like, support them without supporting, without, you know, uh, enabling their behavior or thinking that a little bit of money is going to help them, really. Um, man. I don't know, because it's really... Because there's nothing that anybody, any of my friends or my family could have done differently that would have made me go get help earlier. So it's really, it really is up to the person, man. It's like, uh, I don't, uh, I don't have any, any other suggestions. Sorry, uh, anonymous person who didn't ask me. Uh, next question. Uh, how can the work, how can the workplace play a role in substance abuse treatment? Well, a lot of times, uh, once the, um, addiction gets to us bad enough, they don't work there anymore. So I don't think that the workplace and the HR department can, should play a role at all. Um, if there's a problem, well, I mean, I guess you could work with them and be, be kind of cool with like taking a leave, you know, like give people like, ah, you're a valued employee, maybe take some time to go take care of the issue until you're ready to come back to work. You know, 
and I, but how does that work with the it's like well we could just keep the slot hovering empty does do other people cover for them i don't know i can tell you that uh uh as soon as i informed uh the one job i i had where the when i was getting really bad with the with the heroin addiction is i actually because they had programs um that that you could that that they that they would help pay and stuff so i let them know that i was having a problem and that i needed to take a break and take vacation time and then use the programs and as soon and um and they they sounded uh pretty receptive to that but basically what that uh did was uh shine a spotlight on every single thing that i did afterwards um and like work toward firing me don't get me wrong i probably should have been fired years before even before the drugs with the alcohol and i i was um while my work was great i was a questionable employee (laughs) guys could you not fight while i'm uh, recording a podcast could you knock it off cats man they you know it's they they know what they're doing they're totally doing it just to fuck with me let's see um oh what next question and uh yeah i was like how many more of these goddamn questions are there there's a there's a few all right so what's the next question um oh god what role can the criminal justice system play in addressing drug addiction well apparently it's sending uh, people to prison for weed <laughs> that's that's the role that it can that that can take you know especially if they're black it's uh, like that's that that apparently seems to be the role that it can take um, are you saying that, uh, that what role can they just, well, they can also try to help people. They can, they can do a lot of things. I'll tell you what they did for me though. And I only speak cause I'm white. Uh, no, this is what they did do. The criminal justice system for me, what they did is they um when i re- they revoked my probation because I, I got arrested again for alcohol by the way not even for drugs um but i was on probation for for my third dwi so what they did is they sent me to a drug treatment program for 5 months as opposed to leaving me to help me f- get back into finishing my probation hey Man, that was great, right? Did you hear that? That was the sound of two cats fighting and then me shooting them with a water gun to break it up. That's what that sound was. Does it work? I don't know, but it feels great. Feels like I did something. Um, Just going to wrap this up, guys. I appreciate it. I don't know what the recording out in the living room as opposed to in the privacy of my bedroom. Um, 
and I just wanted to see how that was going to work. And, uh, and it was fine for a while, right? It was all right, right? Okay. Anyway, I'm skipping some questions because the next question is all like, what are the unique needs of women uh, with substance use disorders? And I'm like, I don't know. And the next one is, um, what are the unique needs of pregnant women? Ah. What are the unique needs of adolescents? Mm. So we're skipping all those. Um, and then one last question. Uh, can a person become addicted to medications prescribed by a doctor? Well, by the way, did you hear that? I just... Uh, side-eyed one cat who was going for the other cat and I just squirted him while reading pretending like I didn't pay attention but uh, I saw you saw you you think you're clever but you're not I do appreciate it though because this might actually be the most entertaining part of the podcast if people actually stuck with me Jesus I love the idea that people have to ask if it's prescribed by a doctor, can, can people be addicted to it? Prescription drugs aren't drugs, are they? No. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a company. A company makes oxycodone. It can't be bad for you. I absolutely haven't seen that HBO documentary that's in two parts which you probably should see um yeah so big answer is yes short answer is yes long answer is fuck yes absolutely but that's about it oh you know what that's but that's about it I uh I didn't think that there's any more let's see blah 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 where do 12-step or self-help programs fit into drug addiction treatment? <laughs> Where does a 12-step program fit into drug addiction treatment? Well, it is a treatment, for one. It's part of it. Uh, self-help programs fit. Man, that's... By the way, uh, just to touch on that, and I'll finish with the thank you for the, uh, for the frequently asked questions, uh, anonymous people who probably didn't ask them. Um... Yeah, self-help. Anything that improves that 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 improves your behaviors, patterns, because nobody gets addicted to drugs or alcohol, but then maintains good habits. You're not eating healthy and going to work and sleeping eight hours a day and having healthy relationships with other people while also being fucked up. And going out and buying drugs, like consistently, like going, I'm managing it. You know, I'm having a huge problem, but I'm doing great at work and I sleep well at night. Uh, no, I mean, that's that's why like that first day I, I go to rehab, they have you like one of the rules is you got to make your bed. Like in the sober house too, the, one of the rules is you got to make your bed every day because the whole idea is you got to, you got to have structure. You got to do like trying to realize this is, 
it's kind of symbolic. It's kind of like with everything else, you do this because you're not used to doing this. And you got to be better. Like work on yourself. And then just take that. You got to make. Yeah. The bed is a metaphor for your life. You need to make that bed. Huh? You get me? Get it? It's like they just beat you over the head with a metaphor. But uh, yeah, but that's basically it. So that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to ramble about some questions. That seemed to work out. I appreciate you sticking through that and listening to my cats in the background. Um, This has been the Yes, I'm Still Sober podcast. I'm John Rabin. We'll see you next week. Later. Disconnect the telephone